All right, are we good? We good. All right. Hello, and welcome to the Right Sweats Podcast, the only podcast for fun fiction, fan fiction, and friend fiction. And this <laughs> week, it's week three of our March Mountains of Madness, where we are trying to find scientifically big data, little data, medium-sized data, find what the best movie to book-to-movie adaptation is through vigorous panel and science. Hard uh, science. Hard science, soft science. Middle science. <laughs> Just right. This week, um, things are a little bit smaller. We only have eight and not 16. But as always, I'm also joined by my two co-hosties, Jennifer and Leah. Hey. So like hey. I said before, this week's a little bit different, guys. We don't have 16 matchups. We have eight matchups. Wait, does that mean that I get to have opinions on things other than movies? Nope. <laughs> Same yeah. movies. Just eight of them, not 16. The Ocho. Sorry, Leah. You're limited to solely movie opinions from here on out forever. Just here in what Shrek is iconic, which ones are not. (laughs) How will Shrek win is really what we should be discussing. Tune in next week when we have Jennifer look at columns and she tells us which ones are ionic. (laughs) Which ones are not. Which movies are Doric? Doric, yes. Just like you, a big yes. dork. Big dork. Uh, so before we get into the 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 bracket, guys, because we've talked about these movies, some of them we've already talked about twice. We'll be talking about them a third time. So we can run through that pretty quickly. I can't imagine a lot of our opinions have changed, but the, the matchups are different. So there's a little bit of, of, of discussion we have to have. But for the I most I want to put this off a minute just because looking at the bracket – it's going to be hard to make some of these decisions. So I haven't even bothered looking at it. I figured I would just shoot from the hip. I'm a little tie tie oh, boy this tonight. Week, this week is when it really gets hard for me. From here on out, it's going to be rough for me. I just don't know how to stop Lord of the Rings. I don't know if there's a way. You know, I don't know if there's a need to. It's like Hillary 2016. You know, she's the obvious winner. It's the obvious winner. It's going all the way. You know, so well, what could go wrong. That may be the wrong. I didn't pay attention to the rest of the election. I kind of just stopped there. (laughs) That may have been the wrong comparison. What timeline are you from? The worst timeline, yeah. (laughs) I think we are from the worst timeline. You sound like you're from the better timeline. All right. So I thought before we jumped into this bracket, this more sort of shortened bracket, that we might take some time to talk about uh, our dream adaptations or at the same time adaptations that we think can't or shouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> things that shouldn't be adapted. Can't or won't. Can't or won't. Uh, things that shouldn't be adapted in our mind, things that can never be adapted, or things that we wish would be adapted. So when I think about things that shouldn't be adapted, it it's really hard to not say everything. Because there's always that thing in your mind where you are attached to the characters looking a certain way in your head, having a certain tone of voice or whatnot mm. and however they adapt it it's not gonna be that yeah yeah that's very true i always I think, think back to bella because everyone pictured themselves as bella swan in twilight it <laughs> looked like a normal everyday girl but she didn't look like me yeah i want the vampire to fight over me <laughs> that's funny the self-insert kind of way that she was written a lot of ways that way Oh, yeah. 
and even when it's not written that way, the nature of imagination, you insert yourself a lot of the time anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. Especially if you enjoy something. For sure on that moment. So it's hard to say, oh, this should be adapted and this shouldn't because I want to say nothing should. But at the same time, it's really exciting when something you like is is going to be adapted. I would really like another crack at the Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice. I think there were some, and we'll talk about Interview with the Vampire obviously later, but I think that with Interview with the Vampire being so fun and such a good adaptation in my mind, and Queen of the Damned being nothing but a soundtrack delivery system, there's a lot of room to sort of meet in the middle, and there's a lot of room to improve on what we've already done with it. So I'd love to see that. I would really like to see more adaptations of comic books outside of the big superhero genres. I think that with Game of Thrones being popular and all of this stuff about Critical Role, the D&D podcast, Uh it would be so fun to see either an animated or a live action or some sort of adaptation of Rat Queens, which is one of my favorite graphic novels. It's so much fun. The women in it are just so you know, over the top and crazy. I think that would be incredible to watch play out with all the action and the magic and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Those are my, I think those would be my wanted to, the things I'd want to see adapted. Yeah. Yeah. I think for a long time, we'd all probably say like the dark tower, but then that kind of happened and we're still kind of dealing with it. I think for a long time though, I've been on a lot of people's lists was I want to see what that looks like. It has to be a big adventure. Also, it's kind of, we're humanized. It's not so like swords and dragons, but it's also kind of a horror adventure gunslinging movie, you know, and then we got what we got and I like what we got, but I didn't read the book. So I don't have an idea. I think there was, if you took Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey out of that movie and then replaced everything that was left over and then put those two back into it, we might be cooking with fire now. McConaughey's doing something in that movie. Yeah, he's and like I love it. Ninety-eight pounds, black on black, really weird, really, really scary, weird. really scary. I like that. Jen, what do you think? What would be some things that you don't want adapted that you do want adapted or that you wish we would adapt? Personally, yes. Well, my issue is not so much that I want something to not be adapted, but rather that I want it adapted with careful hands. Yeah. Like, there's so much that I feel like has been destroyed through adaption, like uh, like the Percy Jackson series, I, which I admittedly had never read or even really watched. But it's kind of like an infamous case of the adapters sort of changing so much about the story. Like, it's supposed to take place with, like, 10-year-olds, but then, like, the film adaption is, like, you know, 16-year-olds, and, like, it just completely changes the dynamic. Yeah, so stuff like that where I'm like, oh, man, like... If something's adapted, I want it to be carefully handled and like treated with like seriousness and like like for me, one of the ones that I would love to see adapted is Saga, which is um a f- Oh, I love Saga. Saga is so good. It's a space opera comic and it is like fantastic. It's about this couple that are from like warring different races of like aliens. Mm. And they're together and they have a baby and they have to like escape blah 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 and like a bunch of really cool fantasy sci-fi stuff happens and it's like a true mesh of sci-fi and fantasy it's and it's absolutely just, beautifully drawn it's 
so beautifully drawn. But if you were to adapt that, I could see that coming across as fucking horrible on screen if they don't take careful consideration. Like, if they don't handle it well, they could make it look terrible. And they could, you know, distill the characters into, like, cheesy cartoons instead of amazing, full-blown, like, complex people. It's one of those things, too, where you really need, and, and, and the way that, like, Hollywood works now, too, it almost is advantageous to this where, you know, I don't want to see, oh, they're doing a Percy, uh, sorry, a Percy Jackson adaption, but I want to see, like, oh, uh, Robert Rodriguez is doing a Percy Jackson Oh, you uh, want to see a strong opinion yeah. on you got to have a director attached to it. Like, with the Dune one, I don't care so much that they're remaking Dune. I, that's a scary story. But then they go, oh, Dennis Villanueva is redoing Dune. I'm like, okay, that's a different thing. That's fine. Like, these things like that, you got to. They have to tell you who the careful hand is out of the gate, or we're all going to be off board with it. So, yeah. But I think, I think that's Kenneth Branagh doing Artemis Fowl. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> See, but I think there's a there's a fallacy in that because yes, the it's same... not it's it doesn't prove anything. It's almost bad, yeah. right? Because they've been doing that a little bit with uh, attaching Joss Whedon's name to things. Um. Yes. What a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> when they said that Joss Whedon was going to adapt a Batgirl movie, I was just ready to start throwing punches. And then he backed out because he said that, you know, that's not a thing for him to do. He couldn't crack the story. Yeah, right? because I feel like that's one. Of, Joss Whedon is one of those people who's like, yeah, dude, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was fucking awesome. But his idea for an adaption of um wonder woman was such a fucking disaster Uh, it's like a cartoon it was like the epitome of wrong and that was like it circled through the internet all his ideas of what that should be and it was so embarrassing that he wanted her to like fucking be like sexy and twirl and shit and i'm like dude like this is literally exactly what we do not want out of this and so there's definitely like big names you could attach to something and that actually be a disaster instead of awesome so i don't know well i think like Guillermo del Toro and Hellboy and how yes. fun the first Hellboy yes. was. And then the second Hellboy looked like Hellboy 2 Pan's Labyrinth because del Toro does such so meticulous cre- uh, creature yeah. work yeah. and tries to draw so much of that into it. And it didn't quite fit with the Hellboy he had created in the first movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love Guillermo del Toro and I love his creatures, but it just, it was the wrong fit. Yeah. That's totally fair. Hey, what if it's yeah, of, was of a guy at a lady fuck a fish? <laughs> hey, I cried when that, that lady fucked was that very fish. Good. I know it is, but like that movie was fucking great. Years, okay, years later, I I'm weeped. like, did we see a movie? Did we really just watch? Like, were we all watching a movie where a lady was fucking a fish? Like, she was fucking a merman, <laughs> not a fish. I know, and I like it a lot, a and I think it's a very like. It's a very hard, a very impressive thing that he did that he got all of us on board with that premise. <laughs> he really did get us on board. Yeah. He did, did so good. Because I could still watch it and enjoy it, but like, yeah. I guess I didn't really go over what I think should never be adapted because I've got obviously strong opinions. Yeah, you on have, a, you have, you're territorial about that sort of stuff, I think, more than I am, maybe. I'm, but, I'm down for anything to be adapted, absolutely everything, because I love having multiple different mediums through which to enjoy a certain story mm-hmm. but again think, it's the whole thing where it's like do it well yeah. if you're gonna fucking yeah. do it in the first yeah place. jen doesn't want to have fast i don't know if i i think people i think if we had this conversation 10 years ago it'd be totally different i think 
a little bit of it is the Harry Potter movies. Those have totally changed everything about how we can how we'll have to. It taught us how to separate the book and the movie as two separate entities because those books were coming out as the movies were being made still. And we people always I don't know if people like then, especially our age, started seeing Daniel Radcliffe when they started reading book five and six as they were coming out after the movies started. And I know I didn't. I still had my book Harry and my movie Harry in my mind. And I think that fracturing yeah. has taught us a little bit to go like, oh, they're two different things in a way that we wouldn't have known had that not happened. And especially like how the YA thing is a straight book to screenplay pipeline. There's no difference between the two anymore. It's the same thing. And then how everything is an IP, everything is a remake, everything is a reboot. We're now able to like fracture these things out a lot more. Where if you told me somebody was making an adaption of a book I really cared about, I would grin. I would I would I would really, you know, cringe through it for like a year, but then when you get that behind, you're kinda of done with it. It's 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 we can go back to the the original text, you know. Um, I think it's interesting that you say that it took Harry Potter for that to happen. I don't know if that's quite true, but that would that would be where I would maybe tentatively blame. Well, I think of it from growing up as an anime kid. Like, yes, I read Harry Potter with all my mm. peers, but that was something a lot more common in anime where you wouldn't just get one adaptation. You'd get a off of the manga, you'd get the anime, you'd get an OVA anime, you'd get a light novel, there'd be a video yeah. game, and... That's All of example. them would be loosely canon, loosely not canon, uh-huh. um, all for money. <laughs> yeah. But there seem to be, and this is coming from a American anime fan running in American anime cultures, less, less of that possessiveness. Um, I think about Full Metal Alchemist, where both, both animes of Full Metal Alchemist are beloved, even though the first one was being made as the manga was being written yeah. and the second was made when it was all finished. So mm. one has a deviating point and the other stays true the whole way. Yeah. But think, everyone likes yeah. both of them. But then I guess my, to my point, what I was trying to say, I think that Harry Potter thing has maybe taught us to maybe be okay more than we should with these things. Cause now if there's like a book we really like and they're going to make an adaption, it's going to be a fucking eight episode TV show on, on Amazon. I don't, I don't really care for those. I don't really want those anymore. Oh, I'm the other way around. I want more of those. I think that the things I tend it's, it's to like in books out, need that know? room to breathe. I agree with that, but I, I just... If you're going to make a movie, TV show that looks like a movie, make the fucking movie. If you can say it in eight hours in the language of something you can say in two, say it in two. But that's the thing. You <laughs> can't always say it in two. You well, then, want it to be treated with the yeah, quality that's, of something that's that is movie. normally reserved for two but you're going to take eight hours to say it. I've watched the entirety of the extended editions of Lord of the Rings in a single day. I don't shy away from experiencing it as a whole thing, but take the amount of time you need to tell the story. Well, what I'm saying is these stories can Mm -hmm. be told and done correctly in a movie media and media medium. And I think that's what best serves it. But peak TV has, has diluted that water where now instead of seeing a Dune movie, we're going to see a, a mini series on Showtime, which is fine, but it's just, it's not the same thing. You know, I want to, I want to go to the movie theaters. I want to see this thing. I want to see an unwieldy, long, weird well, movie guess, that doesn't quite work, but I want to see the movie. You know? See, I, yeah, that's fair too. Cause we have the Hobbit and that was one of those cases similar to kind of a mini series where it was just dragged out for far too long. And everyone, everyone agrees. It was a mistake to make the Hobbit. 
more than just weird. one film. Or at least two. But at the same time, yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I just haven't seen anything lately that's been something that I had any... There are other mistakes, too, with going the TV route, because there's something like Mortal Instruments, which is a really popular book series. And obviously, it's a very long, complicated story, and it didn't fit like movie form. So the movie was a flop. But then the TV series, it's a lot more popular. But honestly, when I watched it, I just fucking cringed. I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is like... I couldn't look at her hair in the TV show. Yeah, it was just like fucking... Oh my God, it was like cotton candy orange, which I don't even know if there's there's an orange cotton candy. It was just comically... Like like Lilu? Right. Yeah, but longer and like curled. Oh, okay. She looked like... It was just like, that's not, that's not real hair. And I know that's not real hair. And I'm so distracted by it that I can't pay attention to her character. I just think what I think, what I mean to say is I think there's something about, if you want to adapt into a TV show, that's fine. It it takes, it's a different beast than it is a movie. And that's fine. I understand that. I'll watch them if I want to. I'll watch them if I don't like anything else. Um, I think there's something to be said about forcing an unfilmable book into a movie and the way you have to sort of change and move with it and play with things. And sometimes that can turn into something really nice. And sometimes that can turn into something really unwatchable or like, it could be like life of Pi, where somehow it's both. What do you mean? An unfilmable movie? <laughs> well, like life of Pi has always been unfilmable because it's a, a kid on a boat talking to a, a tiger that shouldn't have been able to be done. And then mm-hmm. we got CGI got to where it was, or you could finally kind of do it. Uh, it's not so much unfilmable like Catcher in the Rye, where there's no forward narrative propulsion. So it would just be, what would that movie be? You know, a kid walks by himself and throws rocks at ducks. Yeah, and then that movie's been remade a million times, but it's like every indie mumblecore movie is essentially Catcher in the Rye. The Graduate is essentially Catcher in the Rye, but it's not Catcher in the Rye. Right. Even Wrinkle in Time, you know, those swings that Ava DuVernay made she wouldn't have had to make those on the TV show because she'd have the time to do it all sort of one-to-one and make it look like how it's supposed to be. And that didn't really pay out either, but I, I liked it. Yeah, so I think there's something to be said to be forcing the two to, to, to play with each other sometimes. But there are, really like. there are some stories that can be broken down and things pulled out of it that fit into a movie. And if that's mm-hmm. what you want to tell, that's what you want to tell. Yeah, no, I guess I, I agree with that. And I guess what I mean, I guess it's just sort of, I don't think I have anything that shouldn't be adapted. I just want it to be adapted knowing what it wants to become. I think a lot of these adaptions get made with mm-hmm. them going, oh, of course it'll be a movie. Of course it'll be a TV show. And that might not have been the best way to go. Yeah, that's fair. What would that's you totally absolutely never want to be adapted? Um, I truly don't think I'd, I have anything I don't want to be adapted because I'm not, I'm not that passionate about my, I'm not that defensive about my stories. It doesn't necessarily have to be your stories. It just has to be... You know what I don't want... What I would never want to see made because I think it would be a bad movie at best. At the worst, it'd be dangerous. I never want to see them try to adapt... I guess I have a twofer. I don't want to see them try to adapt Infinite Jest. I don't want to see an adaption of Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Because those things are always also unfilmable. Infinite Jest because it's too long and crazy. And then Heartbreaking Work because it's hardly a book. And there are things I really like, but like we don't need another like artsy story about like a sad white guy. <laughs> and that's and at best that's what it would be. For real though, we didn't need the book. We didn't need the book. And the book, the book, I I don't think I could read now, but like it hit me at like a place where it was important to me then. Now it's a little hard for me to go back to mm-hmm. it. But 
I think, yeah, even if that was done well, it'd be bad. I think the two things that I would want absolutely never touch, and I there's always talk of them being made at some point, is I don't think we'll ever have a good adaptation of, St- of Stranger in a Strange Land. Oh, yeah. And I never want to see them adapt uh, The Sandman from Neil Gaiman. That, I feel like that's tried to happen a bunch of times. It has. And I think that the idea of anthropomorphic concepts like death, dream, destruction really will get lost in whatever form they try to put it in. They're kind of struggling to do that with like his TV adaptions right now too. Aren't those kind of under underwater a little bit? A little bit. Or what about something like mouse? Oh yeah. Oh, the comment about the mice. How the fuck? How would you, you would have to adapt it with, a lot of yeah. You basically just make it Fievel goes mouse. I was gonna say Fievel. Yeah. <laughs> Did they really do nope. that? Is that a thing? Fievel went west. I do have a theory that I think Fievel is some sort of because Mouse came out before Fievel, so I kind of do think that there's some part of Spielberg that wanted to try to adapt Mouse, and that's like as close as he could get then. So it could have been like him wanting to do mocap Mouse, and he couldn't do it, so he did Fievel. That's my theory. Should we get into the? <laughs> The bracket. I have a couple movies that I, I would I think that people are hesitant to do that I'd like to see done. Catching the Rye would be interesting. I want to see one Q eighty four done, the Harakumi Murakami book. Oh. I I I'd love that. I have a I theory that they're gonna Netflix said they're gonna make a TV show based on hundred years of solitude, which is another unfilmable book. Wow. So mm. what I'm thinking is mm. we're in our lifetime we're gonna see a Murakami like anthology show. Where they're trying to like adapt like short stories, like anthology, like anthology, yeah, like work or something. like each episode. It's like you know, kind of like um, like Black Mirror. Where each episode is going to be a little bit different by a different person, but it's going to be, you know, the Cat Island mm-hmm. story, something from Norwegian Wood. You know, I'd be down. I mean, they recently came out with an anthology series on Netflix, Love Death Robots, all about robots. Which I don't want to. I don't want to fucking get into that shit because I have a lot of opinions. We don't have time. Is it animated? Episode, but damn, let's talk about it. Yes, it is a collection. It's an anthology of different animated short stories. And I have a lot of opinions. Animatrix so we'll part two. Them later. I know they did a TV version of it, but I'd like to see White Teeth done correctly. The Zadie Smith book. Because that exists. That book exists. With modern day stuff, and then there's flashbacks to like the great great grandfather of the modern day people. And the book does it in such a way you're supposed mm-hmm. to think that both timelines are happening at the same time, even though they're different timelines. But the way that the old timeline inspires the new, I mean, the present timeline is like it's not sci fi, so it's like the grandpa was kind of a coward once, and so that means his son in the modern day like has like a bad time at work. Like, so it's not really like high concept where it's like, oh, his grandpa got shot. So his, his grandson at the same time hurts and can see in the past or anything. So there's no reason to really do them side by side, but I'd like to see that done because they they didn't do that in the TV movie they had, they made a couple of years ago with Om Puri, I believe was in it. I think I would like to see, well, it's not a book, but I'd really like to see a better adaptation of Avatar The Lost Airbender, but that they, has nothing to do with writing. That's they already just, have it. It's called Avatar. That just, it deserves it. It deserves such a good film. It deserves so much more than what it got. It deserves a Netflix original film or an original <laughs> One for series. Each book. I mean, I'm But, so okay, if we're talking about adapting <laughs> books to movies, 
Um, I think I'd like to see something by Salman Rushdie. I think that magic realism with the fervor and excitement that we have for like superheroes and fantasy right now, I think a pivot, a fun pivot into magic realism is yeah. due in film. I, yeah, I, I hope so too. Cause I think the way cinema is going right now too, I'm seeing a lot more like parallels with like the realism of the seventies and when that stuff's really good, it's also bizarre. And so that's, what I'm kind of hoping we're pushing to too is there's a little bit of that, like in Roma, Roma, but like pushing to that sort of hyper, hyper realism and sort of super realism and like that. I think that would be good. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a lot of Lovecraft stuff that's hard to, oh, adapt yeah. to but I think if there's anyone who can do it, it's Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Funny you should like, say that. He was going he to. What? Well, he should. How do we get him back on board? So, <laughs> he was actually attached to a adaptation of The Mountains of Madness. Shout out to mm-hmm. our podcast title. Uh-huh. Uh, our <laughs> bracket title. And it was also at the same time that he was working on Pacific Rim. And he felt like he was able to accomplish uh-huh. a lot of things in Pacific Rim that he would have also been tackling in, in the Mountains of Madness. And, and so he... Pacific Rim is a... Did Pacific Rim. Pretty special Now, movie. that being said, Pacific Rim is perfect. Pacific Rim 2 <laughs> is not perfect. Oh, that's not related to anything. I no. haven't seen it. Uh, seen the robot all. fights are fun, yeah. but that's about it. Uh, well, what's his name? I mean, really that's worth it, it for me. Um, Boyega. Uh, yeah, Boyega's really fun in it. Yeah, because the I like kaiju him. were attacking the block. No, do you remember when he... I, I don't even care about that shit. You remember when he makes, in the beginning, makes that really big um, ice cream sundae? Yes. And he's just looking for sprinkles. That was the best part. All right, I think it's time to shift gears a little bit into the main event. The main event? You mean the theme song for the bracket? Theme song. Is that it? That's the no, that's the song from Hairspray. I just wanted to sing it. Oh. Well, when's the theme song? You ever? can't stop the beat, can't stop the beat, can't stop the beat. Well, All right. I can't fight this feeling well, anymore. Thank you, Future, again, for <laughs> being featured on that track. All right. Well, I kind of think we should start the bracket discussion with the, the hardest decision oh, for me. You want to rip Personally. this band-aid off. Yeah, um, that is Lord of the Rings against Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, wow. That's that hard yours. for you? I thought hers was going to be Shrek and Pride and Prejudice. That one yeah. is so hard, actually. <laughs> that one's so Too hard. Bad. Too bad. We're starting with Lord of the Rings and Howls. Does this... Do I need to defend Lord of the Rings? I wish there was some way to, to deal with this. I don't think Howls is a good competitor for Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings really needs a heavyweight to even be considered losing. See, that's the thing. I feel like Lord of the Rings is going to be the obvious winner to most people. But for me, Howls is so amazing. I just... For me personally, this is a hard pick. In my prediction, See, I selected Howl's Moving Castle, even though realistically, I knew it was going to lose. I would be willing to go with the opponent of Lord of the Rings just for the sake of it being the opponent, but I don't think Howl's is strong enough to even warrant me voting that way. Well, and if if you look at the bracket, it's going to go, whatever wins this matchup is going against the winner of 2001 and Blade Runner. Okay, so, so I that's... think that 
That's a worthy opponent. We're Lord of the Rings to move on as it should. I think it's the clearly <laughs> superior adaptation in this thing. You know, it's going to have a heavyweight to compete against next week. Yeah, I mean, we know, we all yeah. know Lord of the Rings is moving on. But I want to give Howells a second just to say, y'all, fucking Howells was amazing. And it is worthy of competing with Lord of the Rings. I just got to give that a credit to Howells Moving Castle. I just couldn't stop the bombs. <laughs> <laughs> that calcifer? Yeah. Wow. Oh. Um. Mike yeah. Wazowski. Y'all I know that, fucking, like... I thought Calcifer was your son on screen, Jesse. No, he's my he friend. he was a friend. How can you, you guys... how can you turn <laughs> against him? I'm sure I have so many friends in Lord of the Rings. We all have so many Lord of the Rings friends, don't we? I mean, Gimli yeah. and fucking Legolas. Let's uh-huh. be realistic. Uh, yeah. It was foretold because I got a Reductress article on my Facebook feed the other uh, yesterday that was what to do when you're 23 and me tells you that you are in fact Gimli so <laughs> shout out to her directress for being the best I should rewatch those movies and find my friends in them because I'm sure there's so many like background characters I've forgotten in the past few years who are you if not a friend of Mary and Pippin yeah, Dude. I mean, those were always mine when I was younger. Those were, They were my best Seriously, though, you really, and when they were torn apart, <clears throat> your fucking heart just, like, completely ripped apart. So, yeah, I mean, even I'm voting for Lord of the Rings. I can't, <laughs> I can't betray Lord of the Rings that way, even though Howells deserves a shout-out. Yeah. I think, I, mean, I think that I could have made an argument to go Wizard of Oz before Lord of the Rings, but you guys decided to say no to that last, last week for your nerdy anime shit, so. Yep. Yeah. Hope you're all proud. That's fucking right. I'm yeah. very proud. I'm pleased. Listen, all right. pleased as fucking punch. Pleased as Castlever. <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> now that Jen has struggled the most she will ever struggle in her life, uh, I guess we should pick an opponent for Lord of the Rings then. All right. So it's either 2001 A Space Odyssey or Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Um, um, hot Harrison Ford versus hot no. ape action. <laughs> tough hot choice. Tough choice. Action. Though at the same time, Edward James almost is in Blade Runner. He's yeah. also in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He's also in Battlestar Galactica. Do you know what though? Oh. I'm letting y'all choose because I feel very out of touch with both those films. So you guys take it away. <laughs> or we should. Or we should pitch you which ones we think should win, and then you choose based on our arguments. I think you and I are in agreement, though, Leah. What is yours? I want Blade Runner to go. Oh, I do, too. Yeah. Okay, well, then it's Blade Runner. It doesn't matter. All right, well, (laughs) me. You won. (laughs) Jen, you're going to have to watch these movies at some point. Well, I've seen them. It's just... I never felt emotionally connected to them enough to fucking remember them is the reality. I'll give them another that's shot soon. When it gets closer to D-Day. D-Day, God Christ. D-Day. I'm sorry. D-J when it gets Day. close to the, to the finales, I'll watch. Did I say last week that... Blade Runner was iconic? David Batista's performance in Blade Runner 2049 is so good. I don't know if you said it on the podcast last week, but sometimes you wake me up in the middle of the night and you shake me gently and you're like, hey, hey, babe, I just just want you to know that Dave Batista's performance in Blade Runner 2049 was one of the best 
of the year. I think he should have won an Oscar for it. It was <laughs> breathtaking, moving, and, and life-changing. I can stop having opinions if you don't want me Good waking night, you up in the middle my sweet. That's right, Jesse. princess. Uh, he wears these he wears these tiny glasses on the end of his nose which are really funny uh so yeah so it'll be blade runner versus lord of the rings i think so i will say for for 2001 a space odyssey the reason why in my opinion it loses out it loses steam on itself is because it truly was ahead of his time i think that is a adaptation that would actually benefit from being a miniseries because you can take these pieces chunk them up yeah. and actually explore them deeper rather than giving them a 30-minute mm-hmm. segment. It's a little bit of a, a cheat to call it a book-to-movie adaption because Kubrick and... who's Who wrote that one? Is it Asimov? No, Clark. it's Clark, yeah. Wrote it together so they could write the script off of it. Like, they explore... They, they wrote these two treatments together, and then they both went off to do their own version of it, essentially. If we're going to be, like, technical about it, it's not even really a, a book adaptation. Right. And yeah. technically, you can see how 2001 really informed the kind of ways that Kubrick would later adapt other things. So. Well, all right. <clears throat> that brings us Thanks for your on. input, Jen. Yep. <laughs> you guys agreed with me there. All right. So moving on to our next amazing competition i don't know uh if i should be introducing this but i will do it um west side story versus twilight west side story versus twilight two amazing musicals two amazing <laughs> musicals both um, with vampires starring russ tamblin and one starring anna kendrick uh-huh. <laughs> dr amp dr amp and so, a from the Aka bitches. She Aka. went up in the air and then she did a simple favor. Anna Kendrick. The thing for me here Twilight. is that Anna Kendrick, Lamar, Odom. Odin. I feel like <laughs> it's pretty clear West Side Story is going to move forward and there's not really a lot of point in arguing for Twilight. But I just don't want either to move forward. Can we? You don't get to do this again. Can we replace it with Persepolis again? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I just want both to be gone. <laughs> Jen, yeah. the whole bracket can't be Persepolis. <laughs> Why not? Why not? None of us even like Persepolis that much. <laughs> it's not even. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's it's pretty good. I don't dislike it, but I don't like it a lot more than other things. So the West Side Story, I think, um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and say, I mean, it's pretty fucking obvious. It's a stronger, more powerful story. Even if the adaption itself has some issues within it, it's a stronger story than Twilight. So how's it going to fucking lose to Twilight, you know? Well, I'm not as amped on it as I was last week. So I don't really know. Hmm. What are you, where are you going? You might sway to Twilight, Jesse. Interesting. I guess what do we want our... What what kind of criteria are we looking at? Are we That's looking at how faithful of an adaptation it is? Because if we're looking at that, Twilight's a more faithful adaptation of the source material. Mm-hmm. It is, absolutely. That being said, faithful adaptations at of Shakespeare cost? can be boring as fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that 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 one you don't like a lot more, that uh, 70s one or whenever that one is. The one with the boob that you watched in high school. Ugh. Interesting. Interesting. Like that one. Romeo plus plus Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet is oh. the best. <laughs> that one's good. Romeo, that's what we're doing. 
No, let's not replace it. Uh, I'll go. I'll I'll go. Um, oh fuck! I want to say Twilight. Just to be contrary. Not even that. Um, yeah, let's go with that one for now. That, right. That's my vote. I'll let you vote that way. Yeah, where are you voting? <laughs> Jen's voting West Side Story. Jesse's voting Twilight. I'm not allowed to replace things with Romeo plus Juliet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. West Side Story is pretty fucked up, but tw- and Twilight's a better. You know what? Twilight's a better adaption, Leah. You're kind of making me. No, I'm sticking with my. <laughs> I don't want to be too wishy washy with this. Twilight's a more faithful <laughs> adaption. West Side Story is a stronger story. That's your deciding vote, Leah. And what does that make your vote, Jen? West Side Story. Yeah. Oh, okay. <sighs> yeah, I really do have to go with West Side Story. I. There's the part of me that's like, just vote for Twilight. It'll be funny. But it was such, oh, like I could watch West Side Story over and over again. Well, and that's the thing for me with Twilight is that I feel like at some point it kind of does stop being faithful, like toward the later uh, movies Uh, in the series. Yeah. And I guess I would want to compare it to just Twilight and we establish that it's all of them. So with that criteria, I very strongly say West Side Story. Yeah. My father might disown me for even considering not voting for it, but that's a chance I'll have to take. Is he a big fan? That This was his pick. Twilight? Yeah, West Side Story. Story. Oh, oh, gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) I was for a minute there very confused. Not just metal, just confused. All right, so the next one then is Clueless versus The Princess Bride. Rob Reiner versus Amy Heckerling. Hmm. Uh, Cher versus Mindy Patinkin. <laughs> so I'm going to say the Princess Bride. His name Bride. is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> I'm going to say the says Princess Bride. Almost nothing else in that movie. <laughs> um, I like my votes for Mandy Patinkin and the Princess Bride, but past that, I'm going with Clueless because I, I don't. Princess Bride's fine. Who cares? What's your final decision, Jesse? Any any? Mine's not Clueless. Yeah, mine. Mine's on Clueless too. I think the huh. movie The Princess Bride. Huh. Nope, I'm switching my vote to the Princess Bride because Jesse's being an asshole. No, yes. I'm not. I just, I was, yes. I didn't know that's what you were gonna do. I was. It's so was good. Excited. It's got so. It much really fun. isn't. They're both good, but I just, the Princess Bride's so fucking. Well, you know what though? I'll be honest. The Princess Bride, when you rewatch it as an adult, sometimes you're like, do these characters have personalities other than they're like, you know, one-liners? But anyway. nope, they don't. <laughs> They really don't. It. I didn't even know there was a book for like half of my life. (laughs) Like I, I thought it was just a really cute movie, and that was it. I would have voted for Clueless based on all those things, but so I can't. I can't enjoy it when something I enjoy gets voted on. That's off the table now. Yes, that's off the table now. Everyone, take note. (laughs) <laughs> can't enjoy ourselves anymore no Fun this police. is a serious podcast for serious listening fun police are in town that's right i'm whoop, here whoop. and i'm fucking that's telling you the fun police cat came whoop, out she whoop. don't like that <laughs> i mean my heart is voting for clueless remember so okay before you listen to your heart so before you before you vote remember the things these things have inspired because these are inspired by and things that have inspired the Princess Bride things that's inspired lately is the PG-13 cut of Deadpool where he reads the beginning to Fred Savage. <laughs> Clueless 
We get uh, Fancy by Iggy Azalea. I'm so fancy. Good video. Iggy Azalea's kind of weird and not good at things, but she's kind of a problem. But it's a fun video. Because those girls is fancy. I'm so fancy. As you already know. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. They're in the desk. I always refer to you if I need any kind of like pop culture intelligence. That's not pop culture. That's like three or four years old at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, it was pop culture at the time. If I need pop culture at any time, Jesse. <laughs> He's really versed in uh, 1960s counterculture at the moment. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll refer to Am him. I? He's walking like a hieroglyph because he doesn't to... want to call it. Jen, you know that dance move you do when you're listening to Walk Like an Egyptian where you make your hands a little like... What do you? What should we call that? Because it, it feels like calling should it... Should we just call uh, it the racism dance? Yeah, it feels weird to call it Egyptian. <laughs> but it's like a fun dance that doesn't inherently have anything racially connoted to it. Like, I'm not like squinting my eyes or anything. You know, I'm just pointing my hands. So it could be anything. Could and be. And shoving his wrists into his armpits. I think it should be called the pointy hands. The arrow hands. But you're not really making it an arrow. The point um, Anyways, Jen, Elia, what are you voting for? All right. Well, I'm going to go with Clueless. Whoa. What an upset. <laughs> Clueless wins. Sorry, Princess do, Bride. She's going to vote and give it back if I keep doing that. All right. Yeah, I'm going I'm to change my vote again. No, All right. Clueless. We better move on before it's you in the books. <laughs> I'm going to start banging my fists on them. It's in the books. <laughs> Next Jen. bracket. Did you write it in pen or pencil? I only use pen because I'm, I, I don't make mistakes. Okay, I made one. So the next bracket we have is the Shining wow. versus Brokeback Mountain. The Shining versus Brokeback Mountain. Fuck. Gammon Carruthers versus Linda Calderini. I say her name when I'm on record. I say Cardellini. Cardellini. I say it right all of the time, except for when the mic turns on. Here's yeah, what's fucked up. Sometimes about he. You know what's fucked up about, about Linda Cardellini? Three in the morning. Is Shakespeare? <laughs> what was she doing on that season of Mad Men? What? It's a mm. weird season of Mad Men she's on. Wait, really? The Linda Cardellini one. It's when she's fucking Don and um and uh, Sally Draper walks in, and that's kind of like when Sally like really stops listening to her father. You know, I can't really recall that scene because he fucked a lot of women, and Sally never really listened to her father. <laughs> Only I know, but that's a, it's an important Sally episode. It is, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Okay. Let's break this down. So, Linda Carlini was on the bed. Don Draper was on top of her. <laughs> no, Jesse. We're oh, breaking oh, that oh. down. <laughs> no, no. Well, we're breaking down the films in composition. Wait, played... is this when I get to start my spinoff podcast about hot hams? Hot ham. <laughs> hot hams. All right. Uh, you call, you'd call it hot ham water, right? <laughs> I feel like I keep trying to rein this in, and y'all are just going wild. I'm lost change. here. Oh, it's hot. It's hot in San Diego. It's It has to be 80 in this apartment. Oh, right and now. I'm just... I'm sleepy. Lee's a little tired. You know what? Today was one of the warmest days we had in Seattle. It was like 60 degrees today, and I was like, oh, shit, it's summer. <laughs> it was falling like 85 here like it, i can't I, I can't fathom that right now i can't wait think straight i am looking forward to that hot ham yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go home soon me and jen yep looking at the fort a little bit we're gonna go back to our old hometown and 
like it's gonna be like fifty. In yeah, the there's April. gonna be a parade for you guys. Hometown All of the biggest fans two of the are... biggest, two of the biggest stars are returning to town. <laughs> now that so, Stephen Hillenburg is dead, he's not oh, from no. there though. He just went to school there, but he is still <laughs> All right, so Got the Shining of Brokeback Mountain. Okay. okay. Getting my serious face on. This is a hard one. All right, let's break it down. Go on. Okay. We have... That shit's shiny. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> okay, so we've got... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but garbage this episode, you guys. Nothing but steamy hot garbage. I took what? So... If we're looking at faithful adaptations, Stephen King is not a fan of The Shining. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel like it got the whole fi- the whole picture. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the person who wrote Brokeback Mountain feels about the movie Brokeback Mountain. She's a fan. She's a fan. Okay. I think Andy Prue's gone on record saying she's she appreciates it, right, Jen? I actually don't know. I feel like she's maybe been pretty open about that, but I'm not sure. Just in my own opinion, I think it was a very strong adaption of it because it captured the spirit and life of the characters so well. I was alarmed. Mm -hmm. I was alarmed. It was so strong. So in terms of adaption quality, a Brokeback Mountain really, like, honestly steals the show here in comparison to The Shining. But we got to admit, both are really, really strong films that most people love. So So then you look at who's in it. And what they brought to it. Mm-hmm. And in The Shining, we have the absolutely terrifying face of Shelley Duvall. Mm-hmm. Um, who I make fun of, but is really sympathetic in that movie. Yeah. Like, I think there's that, mm-hmm. like, with her face and with her body, there is that, like, timid shyness that... You know, really makes you become afraid of the Jack Nicholson character as he goes completely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the only person I that is ultimately forgettable as a character or as an actor, I don't think the kid really stands out. Danny, I think. Well, Danny, the character, Doctor Sleep, is, the kid is fine, but the the actor of the kid doesn't bring anything unique to it. Do you know what? I, I actually need to ask you guys something. That's a great kid acting. So in The Shining, the film, there's a okay. black character who tries to teach the kid about his shining, right? Yes, it's Gavin Carruthers. So it's that magical black dude thing that in the movie felt no. a little weird to me. But that's what no. I wanted to ask about was, did it, is that, am I like feeling that right? Is that what happened in the book where it was like, oh, here's the wise magical black man fucking guiding you. Like, is that true to book? I don't think he's, firstly, I do not think he's a magical black guy trope. He happens to also be psychic and he finds another psychic person in this place he's worked for and never seen a psychic person and talks to the psychic kid. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair. I just (laughs) wanted to really honestly check in on that because that's something that having watched The Shining as an adult, I didn't see it when it was popular. I was kind of out of the loop and felt like I needed to just make sure... my there reading is, was okay. <laughs> I think your reading is fine. I I just don't. I think there's an argument for it too. Actually, I just I haven't I haven't thought about it because he's also like killed very kind of unceremoniously. Well, I avoided that. I I avoided all horror films until yeah. much later in life. 
when I felt like I could handle them. So I watched that again, just like with the Hannibal movies. I watched them way late in life. So I have a lot yeah. of ignorance when it comes to but that if we stuff. if we want to if we want to get that granular with it and call out the racial problematics of the shining, which I do think there's something to talk about there. And I think the book also deals more with how the reason that all these things happen at the shining is because it's on or the outlook hotel. Cause it's on a the Indian like genocide plane, right. Or something like that. Yes. Wait, and that's ignored. The movie. Yeah, it's an I... Indian burial ground. Which yeah. They is... mentioned the Indian burial ground in the movie, but oh. just in passing. Mm. And so, and that's totally ignored. So there's a conversation with that, but then, there's total person of color erasure inside of Brokeback Mountain. Right. There's not a single person of color that I can think of. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even recall in the short story any person of color. I don't, I don't recall any at the moment. I may be wrong. I think they're both open for that kind of criticism if we wanted to level it at them. Yeah. yeah. Except one was re- directed by Ang Lee, who is a... Where is he from? He's from uh, Taiwan? I believe so. But I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, my vote's for Brokeback Mountain. Why? I like it more. Uh, I think The Shining is never going to not have people pushing it forward in their podcast tournaments. You know, We're not the first and we're not going to be the last. We're also not the first and not the last to champion Brokeback Mountain. No, but I'm still a fan of The Shining. I like them both. They both do very different things. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I like I like them both. I think I got to go with Brokeback though. Brokeback, I keep, I go back to more. Uh huh. I watch The Shining probably once every ten years. I watch Brokeback probably once every five years. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the the openness of it. I think there's, yeah, I like let the things I like in both of them are overlap a lot too. You know, so. For me, for me, it's um. It's tough because both are strong films. But I'm going to choose Brokeback Mountain because it has such limited source material. It's very oh. short, the novella. But it brought life to it in a way that felt so true to the source material, despite the limited resources. So, I mean, for me, in terms of adaption, Brokeback Mountain just kind of steals the show because it really added so much. What about what you, you, Leah? What do you got? So, not that it matters because Brokeback is winning. I do just want to make a big final, you know, shout out to The Shining. As we go forward in time, we will see more of this from Brokeback Mountain. But there is such a visual language of horror that comes from The Shining, be it Mm -hmm. the Overlook Hotel, be it Jack Nicholson, you know, chopping his way through the walls, be it the kid's voice with red rap, red rap, and all of that. There is such a it created a language for horror movies, for even horror writing. We're still seeing, you know, parodies of The Shining. That's that's the thing people yeah, understand. Yeah, it's iconic. Well, there are parodies of Brokeback as well in a different yeah, way. But if you have, if you make the all work, no play, make Jackson Old Boy joke in a show, you don't really have to do much explanation of what that is. People kind of get it. And yeah. as, as shorthand as I wish I knew how to quit you is, it... More often than not, gets used as a look how funny gay things are. Yeah, yeah, and that is a problem. Fair enough. And that, but that's not a problem with Brokeback. That's a problem with people. Um, 
Did but, you guys know that the shirt from the end of the Brokeback Mountain was sold on eBay in 2006 for $100,000? Wow. Are you serious? I, I feel like it could have been sold for more than that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was 12 years ago. I'm sure if you resold it. So, so I just want to make a final plea for The Shining. I think, yes, The Shining, that's a tough one. But I think I like The Shining a lot, too. Yeah. And it's. I think this, sorry, Jen, more than... Hells versus Lord of the Rings. I think this is one of those where you could go back and forth That's for a long time because you are comparing yeah. apples and oranges. That's I'm going with it. Uh, all right, so we're getting down to the end here. Uh, we got three more. Uh, do you want to go with the next one to see who goes against Brokeback Mountain? Yeah, so we've got The Godfather versus Interview with the Vampire. Interview with some vampires and The Godfather. Yep. He's going to. Make a UN offer you can't refuse. It is a me, Mario. Mario. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would have worked just as well. I don't I vote for vampire for because I don't, I don't know. I'm fucking throwing it out to the wind. I have no strong opinion. In either That's direction, I feel. I'm just going to vote for Vampire because it's a vampire. Why not? Well, Jen, I don't Fucking have any strong feelings about this one either. And Leah has, this is a, a real hard one for her. So maybe she should just ride, drive the... Convince us, Leah. Yeah, steer the ship here for why. a little bit. Okay, so let me let me stew here for a moment. Me and Jen will go take a second. We'll go to the bathroom or something. Yeah, Interview with the Vampire, <laughs> text in movie is sort of a, it is a statement about me that I stand in these movies so hard. But... They came to me at such an impressionable age. Mm-hmm. You know, I read Interview with the Vampire when I was in the eighth grade. I saw the movie sometime shortly after that. I was very pubescent and so ready for this angsty narrative about what it is like to be an outsider, considered a monster, considered at odds with society. I felt so out of place everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to feel spoken to with things like that. It's why at the time we were all listening to emo music. Uh Um, As much as uh, I'd like to ignore my teenage edgelord phase, I was a teenage edgelord. And I thought that darkness was my only friend. And (laughs) um, if my mother had let me dye my hair black, I would have. And called myself (laughs) Ebony Raven Dementia Darkness. Now you're kind of making up for that, right? Yeah, oh, a thousand percent. Hair is every color. I think that's the feeling of a lot of emo children. If only my mother had let me dye my hair black. (laughs) And I still never dyed my hair totally black, so. Why would you? What's the fun in that? Yeah, I don't see it anymore. I did at the time, but I don't anymore. Then you take The Godfather, which I have not actually read The Godfather, so there's a little bit of that, but... I feel like its reputation is not great. I feel like I hear often that it's a pretty shitty book, but yeah. that doesn't mean anything. And you take the movie, which I think it was the first movie like that that I had seen. It was the first movie where a straight, linear... It, I mean, it is a fairly linear plot, mm-hmm. but it's not A causes B causes C causes D. There's a lot of breathing room in that movie. There is. And there's a lot of... Character, like really small, quiet character development. And that was truly the first movie I saw, I think, that was like that. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard 
to pull apart the things that I like in each one without getting wrapped up with how I feel about them. Mm-hmm. It's two things that when I look at it critically, you pick The Godfather. When I look at it emotionally, you pick Interview with the Vampire, but I don't think either one of those choices is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess Jesse bringing up the fact that The Godfather was not a popular or you know, well-received I book, might be wrong about speaking. that, but... Maybe, maybe, but let's say that's true. If that's true, what they created from that book with that movie is something that is absolutely pervasive, well-respected, amazing, iconic, all that shit. So that's, you know, something to respect in The Godfather. Let me see here. I heard you. Okay. What'd you find? The novel remained on the New York Times bestseller list for 67 weeks and sold over 9 million copies in two years. The Godfather was... Jesse! Jesse! No, that doesn't mean that it's good. A lot of good books, bad books sell that much. But what it does mean is that it resonated a lot with a lot of people. So where are you going, Leah? As Leah goes, so does the right ship sales. I know. I think I am going... I'm going to go Interview with the Vampire. Oh. It's my heart. It's it's all of that. However, in quickly looking up the Wikipedia page for the Godfather novel to get those stats for everyone, the Corleone family closely re- resembles the Kamarazov family in the Brothers Kamarazov. Oh, I never even thought of that. Yeah. So... I'm going to petition that if we do a March Mountains of Madness 2020, I'm going to petition to put the Godfather back on it with the pledge to actually read the Godfather before we do that. Cause that may change some things for me. So you're going to vote for it and then pledge to put it in next year. Yeah. You can't do that. It's one or the other. No, I'm going to vote for interview with the vampire. Oh, and okay. Then- I misunderstood what you said. I thought you said you were going to vote for, interview with the for, for the godfather have it go and then be like i'm gonna put it in next year too right. okay, <laughs> no, yes. i'm gonna go with interview with the vampire but i i think i want to visit the source text and then possibly yeah revisit my opinions on i this. like that idea I, I misunderstood you i'm sorry you were having your cake Sounds and good. reading it too no i'm gonna read it out loud to you <laughs> as we go to bed once upon a time there was a little boy named vito corleone Oh, that book. I thought you were going to read The Brothers. Kazimierov. I'm like two things behind on this today. I'm a little tight tie boy. Me and Jet. Me and. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Let's move on to. To Kill a Mock. To Kill a Mockingbird. And Persepolis. And Persepolis. Jesse's amazing pick to replace my hatred. <laughs> Of the two previous films. So let's go ahead. So I get you kind of mentioned it earlier, Jen. What's so great about Persepolis in your opinion? Me or Jen? Well, Jen. well it's pretty tough to say. I'll, what I will say is that the source material, the comic itself, so fucking strong, so good. If you have not read that comic, you need to go out and buy it and read it because it is amazing. But the adaption, that's what we're really talking about. And the adaption is pretty good. And I revisited it in order to be prepared for this shit. And um, I kind of get what Jesse's previous concerns were, which is that 
the first part, the first section of the story is like a really strong like discussion of what her life is like. The second half is like the same thing, but like very centered on her white boyfriend, which isn't necessarily wrong because, you know, our romantic lives are a huge part of our lives and they need, you know, discussion and exploration the same way. But it felt like such a departure from what the rest of the story was that it was kind of, I don't know, it was interesting. Like the tone shifted. I said I would still vote for Persepolis over To Kill a Mockingbird any day of the week. So I, but I understood your. Concerns. I thought about that concern, and I went went back and thought about it a little bit more. And it's like, who am I to talk about that? And then a little bit of that is me going like, "Hey, brown woman, your first half of your story was about, of course, the struggle you had in Iran and how hard that was and how Iran's fucked up." And then the second half of your story is just about a boyfriend. It should be about how things are fucked up and hard still. And I realized mm-hmm. I was putting a little bit of unfair expectation on this woman of color to do this yeah. work of, of sharing her trauma. So I didn't have to deal with it or go through my own or anything like that. That's actually, that's a really valuable opinion, Jesse. I'm glad you kind of explored that. That's pretty good. I think there is um, a so dip yeah, in quality for that second half. Cause they're also besides that, there's not a lot of, a lot of momentum that mm-hmm. second story. But then if it's, if it's a larger discussion about East and West, that could also be what's going on there. I actually do think that's the case, Jesse, because when I revisited it, I mean, there's a lot of like, it's almost like her white boyfriend and all his white friends, they kind of expected certain things from her that were really strange. And I was just like, what the fuck's wrong with y'all? But I mean, I'm that person, not literally, but just speaking as like the Mm -hmm. West, we all fit within that, you know, paradigm, whatever. So for me, yeah, Persepolis. Source material is strong. Adaption is pretty truthful, pretty good. Yeah, so I'm voting for that over To Kill a Mockingbird. It's so strong. It should have been in our original lineup. So I'm voting for To Kill a Mockingbird because I like Gregory Peck. I like that story. I like the movie Paper Moon. Uh, And a vote for Scout feels like a vote for Paper Moon. So that's kind of where I'm going. (laughs) All right. Fair, fair. All right, All right so I'm going got? to keep the Persepolis train rolling. Whoa! No, I, I, I no, think it's, I, it's a good I say it's a good. Jen hit the nail on the head. It's the source material is really good. The movie they made was really good. Of course, there's always going to be flaws, but I think that adapting a graphic novel as a cartoon like that really did kind of keep it a little more timeless. Where there yeah. is a little bit of a well, the story of To Kill a Mockingbird is timeless in that we'll always be reading it and we'll always be talking it's about it. It's exceptionally American. It is exceptionally American and it is exceptionally of its time. It doesn't yeah. have that same kind of enduring quality, which is a weird thing that I've been obsessed with in this yeah. uh, whole bracket yeah. is longevity. Um, um, but yeah, I like Persepolis. Persepolis is a good win still. I definitely to, think so. It doesn't have to go up against Scott Pilgrim on this bracket because that would have been a weird, weird head to head to talk about. Oh yeah, graphic novel yeah, versus graphic I mean, novel, but two very different graphic novels. Persepolis would win. Even with that movie, Persepolis would win. I would Scott Pilgrim's better fight than Persepolis. That's not a The movie might have been okay. So you know what, though, you might be right. The movie might have been better than the Persepolis film or adaption, <laughs> but um. Source material wise, we all know the real winner. <laughs> I was about to say, 
I think the things that Scott Pilgrim left in the graphic novel really took out a lot of the heart and soul of that story. And I love the movie, but I don't know if I'd pick Scott Pilgrim over Persepolis. I will admit, I fucking... Okay, I should just be out with it. The source material for Scott, Scott Pilgrim, the actual comic, zero out of ten for me. What? Yeah. That's fine. Jen doesn't respond I, well to those sorts of white guys that are it, sad movies and books. Yeah, that's exactly... Jesse hit the nail on the head. It's like, this guy is sad. He cheated on his girlfriend, but you, he learned a lesson. Well, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so mad. Did like, you, why am I reading this? But did you get to the actual end of it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> when he, like, fights himself and he, like, is victorious. It's great. He, like, learns his lesson about how he was mistreating all the women in his life. Yes. He's, like, powerful. But I'm still like, hmm, would have loved that perspective from the women not the dude but i mean the and story I, is still strong for and, other people it just wasn't for me so that's the thing that those are the things in it that i wish they had tackled in the movie because in the end yeah the movie failed that part do you know I why agree. though oh why why what happened so this was a case where everything but the last chapter of scott pilgrim had been released when they were making the oh. movie and they were sharing <gasps> oh. notes but at the end they had to split and the movie had to get finished and the book had to get written and they were just going to have to be different. That makes sense. Edgar See, Ray and I felt like the movie, the movie would have been a lot stronger if it, I mean, the movie was strong in my opinion, but it would have been a lot stronger. I say the end of that movie it, is very sloppy. It feels kind of tacked on. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And the end of the comic series is what makes it all worth it. Like, yes. I said zero out of 10, but I'm just being kind of like dramatic. <laughs> it was not actually zero out of 10. It was, it was good, but not for me, but, um, I agree. Jen, are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we saved this for the end because it's going to be the toughest one. Are you ready? <laughs> Try- I'm ready. Shrek vs. Pride and Prejudice! <laughs> Two of my favorite movies. That's not a joke. I'm 100% serious. Pride and Prejudice 2015 is the movie I will go back to for eternity. Shrek is my all-time laugh-out-loud film. So... I'm fucking torn. All time? You know, there's nothing Dude, funnier it's... to you? <laughs> the, it's just so easy. It's so easy. Oh, they're both such easy films for me. Do I want to feel like gently emotional but not overwhelmed? Pride and Prejudice. Do I want to feel gently amused but not overwhelmed? Shrek. <laughs> like, <laughs> perfect. They're both gentle films that fit me in the right mood. This is fucking hard. <laughs> I feel like I should give it to you guys because I don't know. Leah, what are you going to do? I know. I think I know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> God. <laughs> God. I really can't believe we've been <laughs> entertaining this as long as we have. Well, it's Jen's all-time favorite. So. I know. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> Ugh. Oh man! I'm going with Shrek. I don't. I don't remember a fucking thing from that Pride and Prejudice. I remember I, I liked it. I gotta go Pride but... and Prejudice. I cannot respect myself if I vote for Shrek. There's nothing wrong with do Shrek. Think, actually, do you think it's a bad film? No, I voted for it so far in everything else we've done. I just. <laughs> do you think this is a bad <laughs> film, Leo? <laughs> I think the voice acting strong. The the story's straightforward. I don't know. If we're not talking about the sequels, I think Shrek is fine. 
Pride and Prejudice, I, I remember liking. I know if I watched it again, I liked it. I don't remember anything about it. It hasn't stuck with me the same way. If that's what we're going with, if I'm going with uh, Pride and Prejudice, is Pride and Prejudice. They'll always be there. But that's the thing. I think Pride and Prejudice is Pride and Prejudice. If this was Angley's Sense of Sensibility, I would probably vote for Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pride and Prejudice is Pride and Prejudice. And this is, this to me is the Pride and Prejudice. Can. Donkey fucks a dragon. <laughs> and they have kids. Yeah? Yeah. If that doesn't convince you of anything, it doesn't convince you. Well, you had a problem with a man fucking a, a lady fucking a fish, man. Yeah, but if it was a different animal fucking a fish, man, like if it was a if it was a donkey man fucking a fish, man, I mean, I might be more inclined to be okay with that. We're learning a lot about Jesse's Pornhub <laughs> searches right now. Do you remember in Shrek, when Donkey said, um, we're making waffles. I'm making waffles. <laughs> Do you remember when Shrek described himself as an onion? Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers. You get it. <laughs> yeah, it's classic. <laughs> Name one line from Pride and Prejudice. That's funny. <laughs> uh, are you serious, Jesse? Do you not remember the opening line of Pride and Prejudice? Some of us are proud. Some of us are prejudiced. I guess we should be pride and prejudice. Are you serious? I don't remember. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making waffles. (laughs) It's a fucking joke about how rich dudes must want Women to possess. If we're going to go with a funnier Regency thing, though, Jane Eyre's way funnier. Jane Eyre's way <laughs> spookier. Uh, the Brontes are funny, right? I can't remember who I'm thinking of. I think I'm thinking of Dave Barry. Well, um, my vote is for hating both of you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're Pride making, and Prejudice. We're making waffles. I'm making waffles. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my vote is Waffles or Husbands, um, both of which are amazing. Mm, waffles are a little better, though. Um, <laughs> waffles or Husbands. <laughs> sounds like I'm going to break this, which is shitty because both are, I mean, Pride and Pre- like if people ask me what my favorite film is, I'm like, you know, whatever. I always say Pride and Prejudice. But Shrek really is like, I know it's a meme, but I honestly think it's a fun, great film. And in terms of adaption, it turned a really kind of boring book into something that was a lot of fun. So, I don't know. But, like, if we're talking adaption, strictly adaption, Pride and Prejudice does win it. Because Pride and Prejudice, 2015, brought to life the book. Jen, what's your fucking vote for? Yeah, Pride and Prejudice. I'm talking (laughs) (laughs) talking us through its various... Attributes. I'm saying, I'm saying for real, I'm voting for Pride and Prejudice against my better judgment because in my prediction, I voted for Shrek. But I mean, if I'm speaking honestly, Pride and Prejudice was a better adaption because it brought to life fucking Regency shit in a way that a 2015 audience could ingest and enjoy. And I respect that. So, Pride and Prejudice. There we have it. Whoa. No one's making waffles. Nope. Sorry. In the morning. You're getting cold oatmeal and go to work. You want to stuck in that town. And you're also getting a boiled egg. <laughs> Am I supposed to get that? 
I just vividly remember a scene where they're cracking fucking eggs in the movie. And I was like, you fucking idiots. It was so funny. And Shrek? <laughs> no, I'm Pride and Prejudice. Oh. It was so weird. I'm sorry. You're talking about Call Me By Your Name? <laughs> no. Should that be on our list, Call Me By Your Name? Is that an adaption? Yeah. yeah. Oh. This year. I didn't know that. That's... That's a good movie. It's an amazing movie. I will. <laughs> I, I've watched the movie like three, four times in the last like eight months. So, hmm. uh, so there we have it. Call me by your name. Moves on. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so where are we? I wouldn't be against that. But. Next year, next week. Yep. They're very special. Is next week the last episode of this whole fucking thing? Nah, bitch. I keep asking you that, and I keep forgetting. I need it like drawn on a. A sheet or something. You need to pull it up on the fucking internet, dude. I have it up every time we do this so I can run I'll update it. my Google events later. Uh, so Blade Runner versus Lord of the Rings. Whew. White, uh, West Side Story versus Clueless. Uh, Interview with the Vampire versus uh, Brokeback Mountain. Persepolis versus Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Persepolis. It's getting hard. It is, but it's also getting... To be like the primo shit, y'all. Like it's getting to be the like fine wines. The fine wines fine we've wines. upgraded from the uh Trader Joe's wines. Yeah, we're we're out of Trader Joe's now. We're fucking at like wine plus. Gelson's. <laughs> Fuck, where do you buy fine wine? I wine don't know. plus, yeah. Costco. <laughs> Costco. We're at Costco now, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so do we have anything else to say before we close up shop, guys? Next week, we're going to be talking more about these movies. We're going to be, hopefully, watching some of them that we've never seen, Jennifer. <laughs> I haven't seen all of these fucking um, Just because I fucking don't remember them doesn't mean I haven't seen them. Guys, Harry Potter lost uh, round one. <laughs> I know. I, f- I feel it's bad about that games. still. I like look at my tattoo on my arm and I'm like, hmm. Scrape it off. What was that about? Yeah, no, we're going <laughs> to cut it off like in Riverdale. That was pretty cool. All right, so if that's all we have for <laughs> today for this episode of The Right Sweats, I guess we can close up shop. Um, remember to follow us on Apple iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Also, check out our new website, uh, rightsweats.com, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, also, our old, then in there you'll find the pieces that we've written for Fan Fiction Friday. You'll find the episodes. You'll find some other fun stuff. Check out our Facebook. Check out our Instagram. We've got pictures of libraries. Leah and I went to a weird artist colony yesterday and found a weird library and took a picture. So that's up there if you're interested in. Got yelled at for taking a picture? Yeah, if you want to see some dusty books, pre yell, <laughs> post yell, then check that out. Um, so until next time, unless anything else, anybody has anything else to say, pew pew. We'll say later days, muchachos. Catch Adios, out motherfuckers. Bye. See you later. Hi, time boys. Gotta go to bed. I have to take a shower. I'm filthy slow.